to you once again it's brother Hughes and we're ready getting set up to give you a little more uh, information concerning battle and wrestling and and all of the things it has to do with spiritual warfare and hopefully we're bringing something uh, forward uh, forth that's uh, being a blessing to you and helping you that's our heart's desire anyway to be a blessing and help to others and so that's why we're doing these and just felt such a need inside of us to uh, preach along these lines for for several weeks, actually, because we want to get some information out there. We believe that there's a time coming in this country, if not up, if not soon, sooner than what we want anyway, that we're going to need to have some of this information in our hands. So we're uh, in our hands and in our minds and in our hearts. And so we're looking forward to just continuously sharing this with you, and we trust that this um, message is going to be a blessing to you tonight. Amen? And now if you hear a little bit of wind blowing, it'll be okay. We're... We're currently, we live in the Midwest, and we're currently in the middle of a, some storm situation, so it gets pretty windy and sounds pretty loud right outside of my office window where I'm making this podcast, so don't be too alarmed. It's not the wind of the Holy Ghost, although I wish it was. It might be a lot warmer. <laughs> Amen. So pray for us here in the Midwest that uh, things will warm up, would you please? Amen. I want to draw your attention to a couple of portions of Scripture in all of this. Uh, the first portion of Scripture I'm going to give you is found in Genesis 32, 24, just a part of it. Uh, part of the uh, of a context there, talking about Jacob. And it said, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And then, uh, and I'm going to make a little point about that before I read the next portion of Scripture. Uh, our wrestling, you understand, with the enemy can never hope for victory unless the man has first wrestled with us and has dealt with all that hinders his control and has reduced us to complete surrender. Now, here's the point. God cannot do things for us until he destroys self-sufficiency inside of us. That's kind of what was going on in the life of Jacob. We're going to talk about wrestling in a little different context. But at the same time, I want to draw your attention to the fact that God has to get a hold of things that control us. If we're controlled by certain things, I always think about a scripture found. I think it's in Acts 26, 17. I don't have that right before me. But it, Paul said, I am now being sent to the people whom I've been delivered from. And so you realize that uh, Paul is saying, you know, in order for me to be sent to them, I had to first have some deliverance from them. And that's kind of the way it is with you and I. We've got to come to a place to where our, our uh, God has control of our life. And he is, and, and we're walking and operating in his strength. If we're going to do any kind of warfare that's going to be effective, we've got to, we've got to be brought to that place. And so I wanted to bring that scripture out and, and, and make that point to you because it's vital and important for you and I to understand that. We, in our natural uh, being, even our born-again person, even though we have the capacity for God to live inside of us, and He does, and to, the Scripture said, <clears throat> excuse me, to as many as have received Him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. And so we have power, and yet at the same time, there's a lot of people walk around that power don't have no clue about how to wrestle, to fight, 
uh, work and overcome the devil. And so, uh, so it's important that we understand that what we do, it's as a result of what the Spirit of God has told us to do. If we don't do it in and through and by the Spirit of God, then we don't have much of a chance uh, as far as uh, winning the victory's concern or winning, you know, taking back what belongs to us. I'd like to say it that way because it's going to be better for what I'm trying to say. And so I wanted to make that point. So our wrestling with an enemy is it never, there's never, can never be any hope or victory unless the man has first wrestled with us. In this case, Jacob was wrestled with a man. Many think that to be Christ. Some think it's to be an angel. Whomever it was, it was a supernatural being. It was somebody sent in order to do some things and work with Jacob and get him into a place to where his name can be changed over to Israel. And that's the same thing with you and I. Uh, God wants to cause us to have power with him. And that's the thing about it. A lot of people going through life uh, as Christians, but they're not walking in the power that God intends for them to walk in. So that's important. That's an important point. Now, uh, the second set of scripture, uh, the second scripture I want to give is Ephesians six twelve. Paul said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There's about four levels of uh, uh, battleground mission there. That's principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in high places. And we're not trying to define those or, or to explain them, just to let you know that there are, there, the devil has a regime. That indicates to you and I that he has a system that he works by, just a government, governmental system, just like, you know, the government in this earth. We have legislative and different kinds. I'm not a government person or someone legal that way, but you have executive powers and legislative powers. You've got Congress, you've got Senate, you've got the president, and et cetera, et cetera. And so we have levels of government, governors, uh, you know, all, all the way down to the local policemen. And so all of those have something to do with authority. And so... In spiritual warfare, nothing is achieved by activities which do not bring us into close activities with the enemy. That's a point I want to get across to you. In other words, you understand when he says when we wrestle, we're not talking about boxing. We're not talking about kickboxing. We're not talking about karate. We're not talking about anything like that. We're talking about something that's a close combat. Sometimes the battle can be so intense that as we sometimes say we can feel the devil's hot breath of unbelief breathing down our neck. And so you know, so a lot of people don't like warfare that's like that. Nobody wants to be that close. I remember when I was a boy, my older brother. Uh, used to him and I used to fight. I guess like all brothers do. You know, we sometimes we'd just be wrestling and and playing, but other times we'd really be fighting. And he'd get me down and hold me on the ground. And we were raised on a dairy farm, and I could always remember. I could remember the you know the smell of the barnyard on him. I used to hate that. I didn't like. I, I don't like confined places. You know, I had to have the Lord deliver me from I suppose some level of claustrophobia when I first came to Christ. Because I don't like to be backed in a corner, and I still have some sides to me where I, if I feel like I'm hedged in, it, it bothers me, and I have to just trust in the blood. Amen? But warfare is nothing, and nothing's achieved. In other words, on the drill field, you're not going to find out anything on the drill field, not where you're drilling, or uh, you, we, we, because... Uh, we need something that brings us into activity. I'll say it again. In spiritual warfare, nothing is achieved by activities, activities which do not bring us into close activities with the enemy. Where the devil's authority is challenged, where a work is begun that will weaken his hold on the hearts of men and deliver them from the bondage in which they're born. And he's not going to take that sitting down. 
That's the idea. We're plucking souls from the fire, uh, if you want to say it that way, when we're winning the loss and when we're doing warfare that, and I'm talking, I'm talking a good majority of what I'm talking about, it has something to do with prayer and more than that, but at, at least prayer. Prayer, it should just be mouthing words and going through some something we've learned, but it needs to be something that we really know what we're talking about and, we're, and know that we're engaged in some close combat. There's a quote from Sir John Moore of the China Inland Mission. He said it this way, Our business, like any other, is to be learned by constant practice and experience, and our experiences is to be had in war, not in review, or on the parade ground. In the review, of course, I've been to military, and when you went through boot camp and did all the things necessary, then they had you had a graduation day, and they had all the different companies, and there were various different companies. I can't remember what our company, what my company was, maybe Company C or something like that. We had to pass by all of the brass and all of the uh, officers in review, and one, of course, the main uh, person in our case would have been an admiral, or 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 you know, or a high-ranking uh, full captain, something like that, uh, lieutenant commander, whatever they may have been. And we had to pass by, and they we saluted them, uh, uh, and so it was a review. But the battle. What we went through there was nothing like what I went through Vietnam. I mean, it's a total difference to me. And so you understand that you can't learn some things you're just, you know, playing around in church. Uh, we wrestle not against uh, flesh and blood. We wrestle not. Paul's, you know, the first four words of that verse is, is uh, words on the nature of the Christian conflict. We're, we're not in the age of fops and toys or foolishness and silliness, although we are. We wrestle not a word. A wrestle is not a word used in most churches. There's, there's, there's a lot of playing of games sometimes that's taking place in those situations. It's, it's a lot of foolishness and silliness. And we talked a little bit about that in some of the earlier podcasts about certain things that people got into warfare and going to the extreme about it and doing all kinds of silly things like flying up in an airplane and dropping oil all over city, thinking they're going to win the victory that way. Listen, all the oil in Texas is not going to change anything in the realm of the Spirit. Nothing like the name of Jesus. Nothing like the name of Jesus Christ. Christ being the anointed one. That's the only oil that I know of that's going to put the devil in his place. And brother, you better have it when you pray. and You better have it when you say. You better have it when you preach. You better have it when you sing. You better have it whenever you need to have it when you're doing the works of God. Because without that anointing upon you, you're not much. there's not much going on, friend. Because it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. So in our text, we're referring to the wrestling of Jacob. The first text, that is when God masters in order to break the spirit of self-sufficiency and change us into the Israels of God. But when Paul is talking about wrestling, he's referring to, uh, he's, he's doing a contrast. He's talking about the riots and persecutions stirred up in the natural realm by human puppets dominated and directed by evil powers of darkness and the supernatural conflict with the host of wicked spirits. And so, uh, so I kind of want to go down that road a little bit because I want you to understand something about that. Uh, the, the business of war is is learned in war. It's not learned. It's, it's learned in actual combat situations, not from theories expounded or from drill ground ex exercises. 
So you you learn, you know, we there's two ways that we were schooled in, in the military. Some people had academia, and I didn't have the academia. I lacked uh, high school education at the time, so I, I finished my education when I got in uh, in the military and got my uh, uh, my equivalent to a high school di- diploma. And, of course, since then have went ahead and graduated with a doctorate in theology. But, uh, you know, I... I, I, I I had what the OJT, we called it, on-the-job training. They put you in a situation where they, they test you and see what you're qualified for, and they put you there, and that's where you go, and you you learn while you're doing it. Well, there's no way you can learn some things about war. I mean, you can learn all. You can you can go through all the exercises. You can crawl under fences when they shoot bullets over your head and trying to learn how to, uh, you know, get through a battle area and get to a place of safety and, 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 and do battle and win the war. But there's nothing like actual bullets being shot at you then things change everything becomes more serious and i, I think that's sometimes what's wrong with the church a lot of people are just living around with their fops and their toys and they're not really uh, into any kind of a, a warfare of any kind and uh, and they're not experiencing anything that because in reality there if you're not i'll just say it this way if you're not res- feeling some level of resistance you're probably flowing with the enemy you're not flowing against him because anybody that's flowing against the devil is going to feel resistance and you better know that that's going to happen so it's, the business of war is not learned in uh, is learned rather in war in actual combat situations not from theories expanded on drill crown experiences and we should also always be aware of activities that do not bring us into grips with the enemy that is no gain no no gain, no pain. Well, no pain, no gain. That would be the way I want to say it. In other words, there are some things involved. You ever, you ever notice when you starting when God starts to advance you and to, to promote you and to bring you into greater anointings and greater levels that, boy, the devil don't sit down and take that. He don't take that sitting down. I'll just say it that way. He, he, he uh, it brings us into direct contact with the enemy because once we are brought to another level, it means our effectiveness as a as a child of God is going to increase, and the devil don't like that. He does everything under his power to stop that. So everywhere Paul went, his activity stirred up the enemy and brought him into action like a roaring lion. And that's exactly uh, Paul uh, Peter said that he become as a roaring lion, not a roaring lion, as a roaring lion. He's they they say, and I've heard this, and I've never really studied this out to see if it's actually true, but I believe it to be true that the old lions in the jungle lose their teeth when they get of an older age and they can't do some of the things they used to do as young lions, so what they do more than anything else is roar. Well, the old devil's had his teeth knocked out, you know. Used to be a little song we sing, uh, all the, the devil's had his teeth knocked out and all he can say now is meow. He's just a little kitty cat. But everywhere Paul went, he had something going all the time. It was either revival or riot, and most of the time it was both. And, you know, there's a couple of scriptures that brings us into understanding some of this stuff. Second Corinthians 1 and 8, he talks about his troubles. Several portions of scripture, I, I didn't have these laid out before me. Just give you the reference and trust you to look them up because you'll find in Second Corinthians 1 and 8, Paul uses the word troubles. And the word there means pressure, persecutions, tribulations, and afflictions. Once again, he uses that in Second Thessalonians 1 6. And then especially in 2 Corinthians 7, 5 and 2 Corinthians 4, 8, uh, where he talks about the troubles that come against him. Well, he was learning from his experience. You know, he was learning from experience. Paul was was hit by troubles that caused him to brought him to a place of despair. He said, I think in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, 
even of his life itself. He said he had troubles within and he had troubles without. And so there was things coming at him from every direction. I think he was talking about uh, things of the natural and things of the spirit when he said troubles within and things without. But be that as it may, he had troubles and they weren't caused all the time by human beings. And he said, you know, in other words, the ultimate source of them were not uh, human flesh and blood so he you know he was hit by troubles they caused despair in his life and he was anxious for his friends in Ephesians where we read that scripture to know uh, to have the right perspective and clear comprehension of the relationship between our trouble and our wrestling now and so his troubles is one thing a lot of times we have troubles come our way, and, and, and unfortunately, there's a lot of human puppets involved in all of that. That's a, that's, that's a sad scenario, and it makes it more difficult sometimes to deal with situations of certain kinds because you have to deal with people who are all messed up sometimes. They're, 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 they are not spiritual. They're not being led by their spirit, by the Spirit of God in their spirit. They're being led by their head. We used to say, uh, if you're led by your heart, you're smart. If you're led by your head, you're dead. And that's pretty much so in a general sense of the word and maybe in an ultimate sense of the word if you keep letting that head use you because somewhere along the line, you're a, if you're a hothead, you're going to do something to get yourself shot or hurt, damaged or, or something that way. Or if not naturally, at least in a way where it'll take you out of the thing spiritually and you, you'll lose out. And so you've got to learn how to operate from a different realm. So there's a difference between trouble and wrestling. And what troubles what you're dealing with. Wrestling is how you deal with it. Keep, I'll just say it that way. Now, the, so the Christians at Ephesus could easily have seen the warfare that Paul was having uh, and his physical threat from, from the bloodthirsty um, silversmith, that's Demetrius, or they could have thought of, the trouble, uh, uh, thought of a trouble as a conflict between Christianity and culture. Now, you know, we, we're referring to some scripture found in uh, Acts 19, and I'm going to get a hold of my little iPad here and see if I can pull some of this up. When you, go, when you read Acts 19, verses 1 through 10, Paul is talking to the believers at Ephesus, and he's talking about them, asking them if they've ever been filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, because he was talking to them, and, and they were just kind of sitting there. They've been baptized in the name of the Lord, and that's all they had. He said, well, how, how you boys been baptized? And they said, well, we've baptized in the name of the Lord. And so he said, to, with John's baptism, he said, well, have you not heard about the Holy Ghost? Because, you know, the Holy Ghost would have had him excited about all the missionary stories he was telling, but they were just kind of sitting there. So he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe?" And he said, no, we ain't heard whether there'd be a Holy Ghost. So Paul laid his hands on him. Twelve men got filled with the Holy Ghost. Then the next part of the story, beginning in verse 11, going down through verse 20, you see him dealing with the seven sons of Sceva, who are trying to cast out devils in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And Paul said, uh, you, you know, and, and the devil really leaped on them and tore their clothes off. And the Bible said they ran out naked. They said, we, pre we command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out of a man. They were trying to exercise the devil. Uh, and it wouldn't work because they didn't have, they didn't know who Jesus was. They were just using, they thought it was a formula that Paul was using. It wasn't a formula. It's, it was, and this is important to know this because all of this is in context. It's talking about things that we deal with when we deal with, with the demonic spirits. And so, and, and wrestling the principalities and powers, et cetera, et cetera, is that we need to know something about 
first of all, being filled with the Holy Ghost. I think that's what the Spirit of God is trying to get across to us here in Acts 19. Then the second thing is that when we deal with the, uh, when we walk in the power of the Holy Ghost and we deal with demonic powers, we better know the power that's ours through the person of the name of Jesus, and we better know Jesus because that's vital and important. If you're going to deal with the, the spiritual exercising of devils and things like that, you better know who Jesus is. You better know that he's your friend. You better know that when you call upon his name that he's coming. And a lot of people don't. They'll, we, they use that as some cliche that we've learned to use, especially us who are um, we call ourselves full gospel, Pentecostal, or charismatic, whatever we call ourselves. Uh, we'll use the name of Jesus, and we use it kind of glibly sometimes. And we don't, know, we don't realize the power that's behind that name. But in reality, all the power that heaven possesses is behind the name of Jesus, so that when we use that name in faith, believing and using it under the power of the anointing, in the Holy Ghost, devils have to do what we tell them to do. Well, you got to know then when you get to chapter uh, verse 21 of this chapter, Paul, and I'm going to read a few of these verses for a minute uh, so we can get a little, at least a small picture. Now, after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must see Rome. And having sent into, Ma into Macedonia two of his helpers, Tim T Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About the time there arose no small disturbance concerning the way, that is, the, about Jesus and the Christianity. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver signs of Artemis, brought no uh, little business to the craftsmen. Then he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know from this business we have our wealth. Now, that's a key factor. See, you understand that a lot of warfare and things that you and I deal, it has to do with wealth and, and, and blessings that God wants to give us. You know, you can preach on money and you get everybody mad, <laughs> especially people who, have got, uh, who are controlled by devils. They will really get stirred up sometimes. Now, I'm not saying in every case that's so. and I'm not that narrow-minded. But the fact remains that you start dealing with wealth and start taking wealth from the devil's kingdom because that's what runs the world. That devil works on that wealth. Brother, he's not going to take that set down, and you're going to enter into a wrestling mess like you've never been before. You can you can know that just on a small detail. You start tithing your income and giving your income and increase your giving, and and the devil will do every kind of thing in the world to keep you from doing it. He'll stop, and you and a lot of people give up because they think their battle was natural and they try to fight it from that realm, and you can't win it that way. And so that's important for you to see that in that scripture. And then he says in verse 26, And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. In other words, they were making false gods, idols, and Paul was cutting into their, uh, their supply of money, and they weren't going to take that set down. Well, in this case, there was danger, and there is danger not only in this trade of ours, but... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, and there is danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis, Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may be even disposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world uh, worshipped. Now see, <clears throat> we see something going, operating in the natural, and we also see something operating in the realm of the, uh, of the supernatural, or, the, or principalities and powers. And, and so they, he's, he, this particular person is being motivated. He's a puppet in the hand of the devil. There's no doubt about that. And a great one on top of that. I mean, in other words, uh, 
And when they heard this, they were enraged. The Bible said, and were crying out, Great is Artemis of Ephesus. So the, the city was filled with confusion. Fusion. And they started dragging Gaius and Art, Aristarchus and Macedonians, who were Paul's companions, into travel. Uh, they were beginning to beat them and do all kinds of things against them. So you understand, when I say the Christians of Ephesus easily could have seen the warfare as only a physical threat to bloodthirsties of the blood from the bloodthirsty silversmith Demetrius, or the Oh, they could have thought of some conflict between Christianity and culture. Well, it looked that way. It certainly looked that way. And in our day and time, all the politicians would run the thing and say, let's, let's get make it politically correct. You can't make spiritual things politically correct. You've got to deal with the devil the way the Bible says deal with him, and that's cast him out in Jesus' name. And so, and deal with things from that level because the level in the things are never going to change in the natural until they first change in the spirit, okay? So to correct these very natural ideas, Paul turns his, turns their minds from human causes and introduces them to the real source of their troubles, which are principalities, authorities, rulers of the darkness, and spiritual forces of wickedness. So, so the physical attacks that come against us when we're in our circumstantial situations are only symptoms of the very real hostility of the world, rulers of darkness under the prince of the power of the air. That's that's what the problem. That's where it all lies, right there. It's 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 demonic. I'll just make it simple. Amen. See, see how see, but how can we mere humans grapple with and drive back invisible, intangible, supernatural forces into heavenlies? Well, Paul. That's one of the things he does, and takes great pain in emphasizing to the church at Ephesus because that's the place where he fought one of the greatest battles. He, he talked about it in another place. He called it the beast at Ephesus. Some people think that that was, could have been natural beast. I, I personally feel that it was some kind of a, a demonic operation of some kind, and the devil had come, you know, uh, they were like beasts to him. I don't know. Nobody knows for sure what Paul was talking about other than the fact that it was a fierce battle. When you talk about beasts, you're talking about something that's fierce. And so uh, how do you do that? I mean, we're we're not, it's not our circumstantial things that are in the symptoms. They're just symptoms. The real hostility comes from the, the spirit realm. Well, we got to know some things about that. That's why we're preaching, teaching on this line. So, uh, so Paul takes great pain and full, uh, and to give a full, complete answer. The wealth of stacked-up truth is specifically spelled out to prepare for us the grand climax in Ephesians six. Here he's saying our confrontation uh, uh, with the arrayed supernatural powers under Satan is set before us as, uh, as the logical conclusion. This includes all. That God did with Jesus. In other words, I'm going to say that in a way because I'm not saying it in a way to get it across. Here, our comfort in Ephesians 6, I'm talking about our confrontation with the underaged supernatural powers under Satan is set before us as the logical, as the logical conclusion. The, the conclusion being this that all that God did with Jesus as a direct result of that victory and also with us when God gave him to be head over everything to the church, his body. This, I'm going to say it again. This includes all that God did with Jesus as a, as a direct result, result of the victory and also with us. In other words, whatever God did with Jesus and through him won victory and power over the devil, he did it with us. We were there involved with him because he, God gave him to be head over everything to the, for the church. That's us. We're the church, his body. So then uh, we can say it another way. The exaltation of the head, the scripture says, is far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion. 
Well, once again, there's rule, authority, power, and dominion. That's four things. Maybe it's uh, exactly what we're talking about. So the exaltation of the head far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, far from separating him from his, he didn't separate us from his body on earth. He's taken us in, he's taken us in him as co-sharers so that all that God done with him, that means he did with us. And the scripture says, Ephesians 2, 6, we be seated with him in the heavenly realms. Hallelujah. Far above, the Bible said, all principality and power. We're seated with him in heavenly realms. We, we, when he died, we died with him. When he was raised from the dead, we was raised with him. When he was raised far above all principality and power, we were raised against him. It's important to understand that you're not going into a close combat situation or into a war zone without, with, without being fully equipped if, you're, if you understand what is rightfully yours. See, he tells us in Ephesians 6, beginning at verse 10, we need to put on the whole armor of God. And he specifies what kind of armor we need to put on. And, and we do that, of course, through prayer and confessing the word of God over ourselves and, and declaring who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ. And so so Paul is taking a, he's, he's painstaking in how he's doing this. I mean, he's taking a dramatic uh making a dramatic emphasis on all of this because you see some people say, well, you know, Jesus won all the battle for us. Well, that's technically the truth. And we'll talk about that just in a minute in a little different way. But we still got to do the mop-up job down here. The devil the devil is a liar. He's a usurper. If he can convince you of some things, uh, you know, that you have no authority and he has a right to everything, then I guarantee you he's going to take everything he can from you and you're going to sit around twiddling your thumbs on what happened to you and you and you lose, you have no fight in you. He steals the fight in you or destroys the fight in you. And once you lose the fight, I always like that Rocky movie when, they, when he lost his ability to fight and the guy that trained him said, you need to get back the eye of the tiger. And brother, that's exactly what we need to do. We need to get back to the eye of the tiger. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to, you know, and we're, so we're seated with him in heavenly places. Here's the point. Finally, be strong in the Lord and, and his mighty power, he says in Ephesians 6.10. So his fingers pointing back to the foundational truth he developed earlier. Satan is a defeated foe. That's what he's saying. With a crushed head, there's no power in him, nor are there any means available to him to reach and unseat the victor of Calvary now, seated at the right hand of the Father. That's Jesus was raised up, set down the right hand of the Father, having made all of his enemies his footstool. Well, he's the head, we're the body, we're the footstool. The devil needs to be put under our feet. That's exactly what we need to do. When you sing a little song, he's under my feet, he's under my feet. And now my victory is complete. And that's exactly right. See, the, see, the devil cannot unseat the head of the church who has won the victory for us at Calvary. At the cross, brother, he destroyed the works of hell. And we've read those scriptures to you, having destroyed principalities of power, made a show of them openly. So, there's a, so uh, he's, now there's no power in him or any means available to Satan to reach and unseat the victor of Calvary, who is now seated at the right hand of the Father, and we're seated there with him. If he can't unseat him, he can't unseat us if we know that truth. Now, here's a fact. We need to keep the strengthening ourselves with that I just said to you. We, he can't do that to us because he can't do that to Christ because we're in Christ. And then there's another little point I want to make. All the things that God did for the head, he did for the body also. That means that, now here it is, positionally, we are in the heavenlies in our head. 
That's what I was just talking to you about. We're there. Even though it may not look like it from the natural point of view, circumstantially may not look like all hell may be breaking loose around you from every angle and every direction it can come from. And it can happen that way sometimes because the devil, and we'll talk about that too here in a minute. Then what you need to realize that everything that God ever did for the head of the church, he did for the body. That means then positionally we are in the heavenlies in our head. The true order of faith, says Dr. Stuart Holden, is not that we have to live an earthly life with a view of heaven, but we are called to a heavenly life with a view of earth. I love that. I really like that quote. A true order of faith, Dr. Stuart Holden said, is not that we have to live in a, a, a earthly life with a view of heaven. That's a lot of what people do. Well, one of these days I'm going to get to heaven. It's all going to be over. Well, that's true. And we don't disagree with you about that. But I'm going to tell you there's some heaven here on earth. And there's some things that need to be, we need to walk here in, on earth. And we need to rise up and take our position, our place that's been given to us in Christ. That's what we need to do. But we're, then we're, but we're called to a heavenly life with a view of heaven. That is, we're setting, I mean, a uh, view of earth, rather. We're setting in the heavenly places looking down, praise God, not in the earth looking up. Amen. And many people are looking up. They're looking for the, they look up and say, oh, Lord, I know you have to help me. He's not up there. He's on the inside of us. Praise God for that. Hallelujah. Now, so even though our feet are walking about here on earth positionally, our life is hid with Christ and God. So we go to battle, not from the perspective of our, of our circumstances here on earth, but from our position above in Christ. I'm going to say that to you again. We go to battle, not from the perspective of our circumstances here on earth, but from our position above in Christ. This position of ours is not some terrific Mount Everest that we are required to climb. Listen, in our own strength. God has already placed us at the top of our unsaleable head. Hallelujah. Or uh, at the top in our unsaleable head. Praise God. So it's not for us to fight victory, fight for victory, because we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Our fight is from victory. I like that point. And I want to emphasize it again. It is not for us to fight for victory. Because we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Our fight is from victory. We're going from victory unto victory, if you want to say it that way. And that's a good way to say it. Now, getting close to the end of this, I want to get on here. As Paul developed the concept of conflict against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm, Ephesians 6, 12, there are two conflict words that he emphasized, and, and they are withstand and stand. We need to withstand the devil and when we've done everything that we can to withstand him, then we stand. We, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, I think it's 57 or 58, Be you steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So we're to be steadfast and unmovable. We are like a tree, the scripture says in Ephesians 1, planted by the uh, rivers of living water. Our roots go down deep, praise God. Our roots go down, not in sand, not in shifting sand. Our roots go down into the rock, the rock of our salvation. And that's Christ. And we're rooted in him. And we live in him. In him, the scripture says we live and we move and I have our being. And so so we, 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 we withstand and we stand against. See, our defense armor guarantees guarantees <laughs> i'm from the south we say guarantee but uh, i'll say it right our our defense armor guarantees total security when it when it's put on with prayer that's all the armor that he talks about in ephesians then the the repeated emphasis on stand or withstand in the epistles of james james and peter is used this way it means to resist the devil and he'll flee from you 
The Bible said he walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he might devour. First Peter 5, verse 9 said, Whom resisting steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same things have been accomplished in your brethren. And so it's nothing nothing new. Ever brother, ever sister, ever child of God. We're going to have to learn the word stand and withstand and the word resist. And that's that's part of our warfare. You just resist the devil. So I'm not going to take it off you. you don't have, you're not going to do that to me, devil. I'm not going to take none of your shenanigans. You're not going to put this on me. The Word of God says this, and I'm having what the Word of God says. The Word says I'm healed. That's what I'm having. I'm not taking any of your sickness, disease. I'm not taking your poverty. I'm not going to take it. And, and, and don't ever, I'm going to tell you something. If you fight your battles in the flesh, you're going to lose. If you try to deal with people in the puppets, that the devil uses, you're going to lose. You better understand that your warfare is not against flesh and blood, the scripture says, but it's spiritual warfare. And you have spiritual armor to win it. And I'm helping you to understand some of this. And so uh, uh, the word resist suggests that the Christian's danger and the devil's advantage uh, lie in the believer is is in the believer relinquishing his position and attempting to tackle some problem from the human flesh and blood level. I want to make you understand that. You, in once you and I give up our position, our seated position with Christ in the heavenly places, and come down on a human level and begin to fight our battles, brother, we're going to lose. And it's no way you're going to win. You cannot win because you're not fighting a flesh and blood devil. You're fighting a spirit. And it's not by power, it's not by might, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord of hosts. Thank God. And so you better get that little clue down on the inside of you, my friend, because that's going to be important. Now, to get the Christian to react, the devil has some tactics. He blows up storms on the lake like he did Jesus, or it causes a riot like he did Paul, and or wild beasts of Ephesus to come at, at him. And in this way, he stimulates us a panic uh, us it stimulates in us a panic to act according to our immediate predicament we are in without taking time to lay hold of the objectives of the facts of God's promises. Boy, if that's never been, if there's nothing else I said today that's true. In other words, he he gets you fearful, gets you into a panic state, gets you to act out of the flesh or in the in, in the, out of the soul and not out of the spirit, not out of the Holy Spirit, and out of your spirit, out of the born again man on the inside of you, gets you to act apart from the Word of God. And, and when he can, when he does that, then you've laid aside the promise of God. He's got you, because he's a panic artist and he plays the heavily on our self self consciousness in emergency situations. Now, J. O. Fraser. Put it this way, and this is our conclusion here today just about. Each time your spirit goes under and faints in the trials which come to you, you uh, lose mastery over the power of darkness. I'm going to say it again. Each time your spirit goes under and faints in the trials which come to you, you lose mastery over the powers of your darkness. In other words, you lose your authority, you lose your power. You get below them instead of abiding above them in God. Every time you take the earth's standpoint, you take a place under the powers of darkness. The mastery of them depends upon your spirits abiding in the places above them. And the place above them means knowing God's outlook, God's thought, God's plan, God's way by abiding with Christ in God. And in other words, uh, you need to, uh, you just need to, well, I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> Amen. You need to live. You need to live in your position. You need it in the place that God called you to. Amen. Uh, you you live in the above realm. Thank God. We we call our ministry higher realm ministry because that's that was our intention from day one is to help people learn how to live in this way, and that's what we're wanting to do for you to make you understand. Uh, so our mastery means that we depends upon you. Uh, 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 
on your spirits abiding in a place above them. We, we live in the heavenly realm. We abide in the heavenly realm. In the, we abide in him. We abide in him. We ask what will really be done for us. Whatever we ask the Father in the name of Jesus, he will do it. The scripture said. And in the name of Jesus, we cast out devils. And so all of those things are relative to the name of Jesus. Praise God. And, and, and so we live in the above realm. We live in God's. We get God's thought. We get his outlook. Up there, we can see how he sees it. Up there, we can see how he thinks about it. Up there, we can see his plan. Up there, we can see the way he wants to deal with it. And and when we abide with Christ in God. Amen. So we want to encourage you to do that. Hallelujah. I know this has been a blessing to you today. I just know that. And I trust it that you'll not only be a blessing as you call others, contact others, say, you need to listen to this podcast. It'll be a help to you. Amen. And we're looking forward to uh, being with you the next time. And the wind didn't blow too much, so maybe the Lord stilled the wind for us while we we're preaching this message tonight. We're grateful. Grateful you're a part of this. We love you. Speak blessing upon your life. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and bless you in all your ways. As Brother Hughes saying to you, remember this. God is exalted. Satan is defeated. And Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ.